2: plushcare.com weightloss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt to Rumpets. Thanks for joining me, Matt.
3: Well, of course. Why would I miss this, our pre-holiday show?
2: Oh, I like how we've put a spin on that. Yes, the season is finally over. The reviews are over. So now we can do our pre-Christmas show and we can explore some news that's come out in the postseason. And we can pass judgment on guys who've got more skill than we could accumulate in a thousand lifetimes. But we will sit here and feel free to judge them.
3: Yes, we will appoint ourselves judge, jury and apportioner. Exactly.
2: Yeah, well, this is sport, isn't it? And this is a sports yeah. show. We can absolutely judge and berate the star players, even though we have the utmost respect for their skills, except Stroll, who I could definitely beat at go-karting. 100% confident in that. Fight me. But first, let me tell you that. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong but we're first. And sometimes we're even wrong about being first. I'm also joined by rising star in motorsport, journalism, autosports, Chris Stevens. How's it going, Chris?
4: It's going great. Winding down through the year, desperately trying to think of content to write over the Christmas period.
2: We're also joined by wannabe wheel-turner Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, man? Going really well. Looking forward to judging correctly or incorrectly random drivers from the grid. Should be fun. Let's explore some of the Formula One news that we've not had a chance to get to since the end of the season. Big Dirty News Now we're going to start with a personal passion of mine, Trumpets. Do you know what that is?
3: Yes, yes. No, I know that your real passion is batteries, but yet I don't see that at the top of our news list.
2: Oh, batteries. That'll never catch on. Let's just keep pumping dead dinosaur into race cars until it's too <laughs> late. No one else seems to care. So why should we stop our sporting entertainment? No, Matt, my passion is, of course, tires. Do you remember... Uh- when, uh, no, I'm joking. It's kind of boring, but it is super, super important. Do you remember the discussions we had when they brought in the third tyre selection? Do you remember that? There they, they was just two choices throughout the weekend. And when they made it three, we had real high hopes that that was going to increase the tactics and the strategy that the teams could use. On reflection, do you think that that has panned out?
3: Um, no, mostly down to the fact that the compounds are not Far enough apart in terms of usage and times to create the, strate- the strategy. The strategy, I don't know. I'm American. I suppose I could get away with that. Uh, that we expected might be the case, um, and that's also down very much to Pirelli. Well, you know, having a commercial image they need to protect. They did, that we saw tires blowing up, and you know, Pirelli didn't like that very much. So they have been. I think the word is conservative in their choices. And that's led to really only two usable compounds for most races.
2: Absolutely. And I think if we go to Chris Stevens here, our resident newsman, Pirelli, it's worth repeating, do work to a set of requirements. Obviously, Pirelli could make super sticky tires that give you grip, that give you speed, that last the entire length of a Grand Prix, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, Pirelli has only ever done what Formula One has uh, asked it to and get nothing but uh, slated for it. But uh, at first, the strategic element was great with the three tyre compounds back in 2016. It was great. You had so many different strategies. We got some really bizarre uh, results out of it. I mean, remember uh, Haas getting like uh, P6 and P5 in their first two F1 races because they nailed the strategy on the head. Unfortunately, the... 2017 regulations came at the wrong time and Formula 1 thought, oh, they're going to have so much power and downforce. We need to make the tyres much more durable because they're going to be slipping all the time. And we'll come to next year's tyres in just a second. But Gene
2: T, from a racing point of view, do you feel it kind of softens the racing impact when you know that one guy is on worn out options and there's a guy on brand new primes and that's the reason they're being able to battle? Or do you just think that's a legitimate way to bring cars closer together and bring them together on track
5: it's one of those things where it was brought in to to try and spice up the racing because they want someone to catch someone who's on who's on bad tires from a pure racing perspective overtaking somebody who's on slightly worn tires isn't as satisfying as overtaking somebody who's on the exact same tires they've got the exact same life as you um it spices it up from a audience point of view i think it probably frustrates the drivers that they just want to pound around they just want they they would love one tire for the whole race that they can just push on for the entire time or two tires for the whole race they can just they can just push around on what that's, about what about 2014
2: races, Bahrain <laughs> where you had Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton actually pretty free to do their own races because they were on different compounds then when they swapped tires onto different compounds they kind of went on each other's alternates if you like and then that came back together at the end is is that a more satisfying kind of conclusion? Obviously, we can't recreate specific races.
5: It only came together again at the end because of the safety car. If it wasn't for the safety car, Lewis would have been far enough ahead that Nico wouldn't have been able to get close to him and they wouldn't have had that battle. Um, Lewis was furious that he was on inferior tyres to Nico at that particular point in time, because he has the disadvantage. He's got track position, but he had the big disadvantage of the fact that Nico had tyres that were half a second allowed quicker, and Nico still couldn't get the job done. That's a conversation for another day. Um, But no, it's still a case of drivers would rather be fighting each other on the same tyres. It's great for the spectacle, for the guys watching the telly, for the guys um, in the stands. It looks fantastic, but... For a racer, if you beat somebody who's on lesser tyres than you, and you've only beat him because he's on lesser tyres than you, not because the strategy's worked out that way, it is kind of a hollow
2: victory. None of them will ever admit that, but it is. Chris Stevens, for 2019, do we have reason to be optimistic? For me, there's been one too many one-stoppers this season. And that, that's a weird thing to kind of say. Like, why, why am I even upset that there's one-stoppers? I can't quite put my finger on it.
4: Oh, well, it's because Pirelli have been, as Matt said, conservative when it comes to tyres. I mean, 2018, there was supposedly going to be pushing more for two-stoppers and that never ended up working out. And Pirelli has uh, listened to the feedback uh, from the teams and have done some things that are also going to help that. But they've also done some other things that are going to help push it towards two-stoppers. What are those things? Well, those things, so... Remember the thinner treaded tyres that we controversially talked about uh, that we saw in Barcelona, Paul Ricard and Silverstone? Ah, the ones that suited Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I hope
2: hope they don't bring those in. Are oh, they going to bring those in? That's going to be at every single race. Uh, oh, so. I, I have no strong opinions on that one way or the other.
4: Well, it's um it's interesting, isn't it? Because um the thinner tread is uh, to help the Hypersoft tyre not overheat as much um to uh to make it m- not so much last a little bit longer but to keep it in the right window for longer and they actually can make it run a little bit longer um which is is good in terms of racing because uh, the less overheating it means you'll be able to follow cars a little bit more easily so combine that with the new front wings that should make overtaking a bit easier um but in terms of strategy that's not really the kind of thing we want to be hearing we want that that qualifying tire to be to 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 fall apart basically after a, a handful of laps perhaps so that uh, it's not an optimal tire for the race
3: yeah but graining and blistering are not the same thing as the tire losing performance as it gets worn during a race and the thinner tread specifically is help is is there to help manage tread temperatures and uh heat transfer between the bulk of the tire and the tread of the tire. When they get out of balance, the tread gets too hot. You get blistering. The tread gets too cold. You get graining. And they've discovered that a slightly thinner, and we're only talking a couple of millimeters here. We're not talking a massive. It's not like back when they ditched the Kevlar sidewall tires uh, to suit Red Bull. Allegedly, uh, when Vettel couldn't beat Weber to save his life because the, uh, Because the tires wobbled so much, it disrupted the air uh, that was blocking off the rake of the Red Bull. But these tires should actually lead to racing where the degradation is mechanical in nature. And that, theoretically, will help the racing. We'll have less issues, less thermal issues, with the tires being pushed. Because the heat can transfer more evenly between the bulk and the tread should be easier for teams to get them in the window and keep them in the window where they get optimal performance.
2: Okay, I'm nearly done with pretending that this is interesting to me, but I do have one more question. Uh, Jeansy, I'm not sure if you've raced in the kind of karting where tyre wear is an issue, but why don't you just explain to us sort of noobs like the difference between, say, a warm set of tyres where it's all gripping up and you know a cold, dead set of tyres. I'm sure you have more of an insight into what these guys have to deal with as the tyres wear gradually. Is it just a case of uh, you have to wait a little bit longer, be a bit more patient when you've got less tyre grip before you get on the power, for example?
5: I think the best example I've got of this is for myself personally, was in the 24-hour. Um, you get two sets of tyres throughout the 24-hour race and when you first go out on track, usually it's in teesside it's in, it's at teesside in middlesbrough it's always cold um and what you find is the first few laps before the tires actually warm up because it's lots of long straights yeah. so you don't have a lot of time to wear up to warm up the tires um you find you get a lot of understeer so when you turn to the corner you go to turn there's no bite from the tires and the car just pushes on um and you don't get anywhere near the apex and a couple of laps later that warms up then what you have is when you're 12 hours into the race um, all of a sudden that understeer starts to creep back in and you have to completely alter your driving style now some people don't like understeer some people do Nico Rosberg talked a lot about the fact that he quite liked a car that was that was um that was more leaning towards understeer than oversteer and Lewis is completely the opposite he likes to get the front he likes to get the nose in but so does Schumacher so does Alonso so does Kimi Räikkönen so does Vettel they like the nose to go in and it's quite telling, with the guys who are some of the quickest out there, they like the nose to get to the apex first. Jensen Button, he liked an understeery car. That's why him and that's Ooh. why it differed during McLaren between him and Lewis, because they both like the car set up differently. I think that's why Kimi and Vettel have worked quite well together
2: because they like a similar style of car. So is this why, when all the new tyre life is gone, you often hear Lewis Hamilton going, oh man, these tyres are gone, because he he wants it gripping and pointing in. Uh, so some of the guys, maybe like Bartas, he seems to really struggle at the beginning of the race compared to everybody else, and his pace comes in a little bit later.
5: Yeah, I mean, you, you even experience it when you drive all sorts of different sims, for example. When you go out on a fresh set of tyres, everything's a lot more sensitive. Um, i can 't say it to a car because i haven 't done it in a car, but everything 's a lot more sensitive, so you turn that much, you know half a half a centimeter and it goes when they 're a little bit worn. you turn half a centimeter and it just goes straight it 's that whole little thing of of feel, and the best drivers are the ones that figure that out the quickest, which is the same when it comes to wet weather racing as well mm-hmm. they 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 feel the grip they know where the grip is, and they can change their driving style around it um and then you get guys who just crash off at the home rest. Well,
2: wow, that was genuinely informative. I actually feel like I've learned something. This is weird. Okay, look, let's go to the chat room. There are people who watch us record this live and they give us comments to talk about. And sometimes they make really good points. And Chris, I think... Erudite 450, I believe that is a solvent for metals and plastics, uh, says the difficulty in following other cars is part of the reason why teams avoid multiple stops. Singapore, for instance, should have been a multiple stop race, but teams prioritised track position. So, for example, in Singapore and Monaco, the difference between the tyres would have had to have been several seconds before teams took that risk.
4: Yes, that's exactly the comment I was going to um, bring up. Um, I think with the changes uh, made for 2019, um, we've also got uh, the, the medium and the hard tie that's going to be a softer compound compared to last year um, for that strategic uh, variability um, that should push them into making the, the one stop just won't work. You'll lose too much time with the wear. Um, compared to people who can can throw on a fresh hat and, and close that gap. We haven't seen that working as much in the past, but with the with more wear, that could be something um, that happens. That's what they're aiming at anyway.
2: Variability. Are we just George bushing this and making up words, Chris? Variability is not a word. Surely, Trumpets.
3: Yes, it is. It's not a word um, unless you spell it that way.
2: I've got questions for you, though, Trumpets. Last thing. On tyres, And presumably you're going to then extend that into several other points. We are used to this. Uh, and then Chris is also gesturing that he has another point. It looks like we're stuck talking tyres for a while. Okay, I'll ask this question, then I'm going to drink some gin. Matt, what on earth do we call these tyres next season? I'm so lost. Is it just going to be compound one, two and three or something like that?
3: Well, I think it was going to be that. But last I heard, they're actually going to use the HTML5 identification for color. So each one will be ffmm 5 pg uh, Good. And then f 65 ppgy And then, well, you get the idea. No, we just call them soft, medium, hard. The teams,
4: so that they know specifically what they're working with, will say that's compound one, that's compound two. So compound one is the hardest compound five. Um, is the softest. But for us, us, us simpletons watching the races just call them soft, medium, and hard. What about the colours? The colours will be the same. It will be uh, white, yellow, and uh, red. So we only ever
2: have to remember three colours and soft, medium, and hard. We never have to... Th- th- that is actually common sense. I like that. Yeah. So we don't have to think about this. Only the, the teams have to worry about it. And if you want to be super nerdy, you can then dig deep and find out, oh, oh, look, they've selected tyres which are harder than I would have gone for. It's quite conservative. So there, that's the little tidbit we can get is, oh, it's a bit conservative this week, but it's still soft, medium and hard during the
4: race. Yeah. So so one more point I have about um, tyres, actually, we won't see what used to be the super soft uh, tire or what might have been compound four, um, that's been completely removed because it was considered too close to the ultra soft. Um, what what worries me about that is that maybe there isn't going to be as much uh, of a gap between, say, the qualifying tire and the the second one uh, down. So say the soft tire and the medium. For the sake of this, we'll call it the soft and the medium because you want that big gap to be there because at the moment the top teams are able to get through q2 on the middle tire on the medium tire and then start on that compound and have a better strategy which just puts the the top midfielders at a massive disadvantage that's something i want to see removed to be fair as a viewer
5: i don't want to hear them talking about oh well this is the ultra soft tire from last year i don't want to hear that I just want to hear this is the soft tyre, this is the medium tyre, this is the hard tyre. I don't want to hear about what that tyre once was. I think it makes it even more complicated. I think it needs to be this simple, straightforward system of three tyre compounds, as they've got for every single race. If they want to change the compounds and it's last year's ultra soft, so be it. Don't tell us, it's even more complicated. And don't tell us it's the makeup that made Ferrari fast in this race or Mercedes fast in this race. I don't want to hear it. I just think it's, it, it just confuses the matter
2: and also gives everybody, everyone excuses of why their team didn't do so well. Yeah, and Matt's going to drone on about it anyway, so we don't need it on the broadcast. Everyone should listen to Miss Apex. Matt, we're just about ready to move on to the next item.
3: Yeah, I was just going to wrap it up by saying the following very trenchant thing, which is that, first of all, pit stops take too long. Problem number one. Second of all, in a series that's dedicated to saving fuel, and blowing up as few engines as possible, using your tires to create a str- to create strategic variability is always going to trend towards a one-stop because then you can safely manage those other parameters as well. And this is the real issue. Like I don't think you can blame Pirelli too much because essentially the entire series right now is geared towards the kind of driving that's not going to see you bailing out, strapping on your fastest tires and running your engine at maximum volume to the end of the race because you need that engine to last for so long.
2: Okay, I'm sure that was interesting. I'm going to be honest, I zoned out. But we do have another item. Big Dirty News. It it wasn't that your point about tyres was boring, Trumpets. It's that I can only listen to you and concentrate for 60 seconds at a time, which is great for the race in 60 seconds. It's almost perfect. And that's how I can tell When you've gone over the time limit, because you just go, you know, you got your voice just turns into just a sort of American drunk. However, there is more news. We have something, something manufacturers, new entrants,
4: something, something fascinating. Tell us all about it. Existing manufacturers are going to have to share information with new entrants, which is huge for formal. How much and how can they enforce that? Well, okay. So here is the, the quote from Ross Braun. Components and technology will have to be shared if requested. So basically a new entrant, say we, we, there's all this talk about Porsche or Cosworth or Aston Martin coming in and building an engine for Formula One. Uh, if they can go up to Mercedes and say, we want to know how you do this. And Mercedes have to give them that information. Um, although, Let's be honest. Since it became quite clear that the 2021 engine regulations are going to be more of a tweak of the existing ones rather than an overhaul, that lot have kind of turned their back on on Formula One. But anyone who does decide to come in, uh, they they get the the benefit of this. It's a way to try and entice them uh, again. That Is- way, we we don't get a, an example like Honda, where they come in a year behind development and spend years trying to catch up. Oh, geezy, I'm I'm sure. If, uh, you know, the Japanese manufacturers
2: knock on the door of Mercedes, oh, come in, come in, come and see how we do everything in an era where we know full well that the works engines are performing better than the customer engines. Do we do we believe this? What are we going to do? Are we going to make them pinky swear? Toto, do you pinky swear that you told them? everything about how to build an engine because i didn't see those elastic bands on your latest upgrade however this new porsche car looks distinct the hamster's not even alive anymore um first of all have ferrari used their veto
5: on that yet (laughs) yeah we ain't doing that because i can very much see ferrari doing that and as you just said spanners um how can they guarantee the quality of information they pass on there is no way that Whoever has the best engine at that point, whoever we decide has the best engine these days is going to go, yeah, here's all of our secrets. Here's how to make your your new thing go fast and spend all of our research money because the millions and millions of pounds that Ferrari and Mercedes have spent to make their engines as good as they are. Yeah, yeah. here you go, Audi, our biggest competitor on the road. Here you go, go, um, Toyota. No, no, not going to happen. I can't
2: see anyone allowing that to happen here you go Volkswagen oh look you've got soot all over the blueprints already oh you guys are a nightmare Trumpets. you have got your efficiencies wrong as well <laughs> that's that is what I was that was the joke that I was if you look just over your head you'll see the joke there Genzy. uh Trumpets is this gonna work is what a practical effect is it gonna have
3: well assuming that it even is eventually an actual rule um, I expect that first of all, the teams will mostly loophole their way around anything that might actually be terribly, terribly useful for the competitors. Um, and I could only see it working in the broadest of senses uh, in the sense that conceptually it might help a new manufacturer narrow down where what they need to focus on and, uh, a modestly successful design that that might be competitive, but By the same token, we have 10 teams and four uh, engine manufacturers right now in the sport. So I I tend to be on board with the basic economics of having three more engine suppliers really start to make zero sense unless other people bail.
2: Stevens, the chat room, who you can join, by the way, dear listener, by going to YouTube and searching Miss Apex Podcast. And you'll get the video in the top half. And the chat room in the bottom half. And Othnal Gallimore has used this facility to tell you you are wrong, Stevens. That rule
4: was not agreed. It has only been discussed. I mean, apparently it's it's penciled into the sporting regulations. Apparently, so. there you go, highbrow
2: journalism. Apparently, it's been crayoned in to the back of a fag packet in Chris's shed. Trumpets.
3: Uh, The chat room is being very helpful with examples of the kinds of information that might be shared. Uh, Evangelos goes, Ferrari sharing data about their car. Quote, it will be red.
2: Ooh, Which kind of red?
3: Exactly. And Dan Dehines Toto says, quote, we use cylindrical forms where we explode a liquid which makes the car go forward. So, yes, I think we can look forward to lots of that sort of uh, information being shared between the engineers.
2: All right, then, Chris Stevens, why not just... A step towards customer cars. Why not just make it more spec? Why dance this strange corporate dance that no one will listen to anyway?
4: Well, customer cars is a great idea. Yeah, let's, totally. Let's do it. Works in Good. so many other series. Yeah, let's do no, it. I agree.
2: Uh, there's certainly you could bring it in a lot more, couldn't you? You could, you could make more of it spec. It's quite unspec, even though, even though it's more spec than it used to be. It's still not spec enough to allow a four-second difference on the grid.
4: We could bring that down. 100%. I mean, when there's one and a half seconds between the top guys and the midfield, there is just more to be done.
2: Uh, Usman Salim says, didn't Ferrari share data with McLaren back in 2007? No, I don't recall. I don't recall anything like that. That is a strong contender for comment of the week. More big dirty news. I think this is more of a stat. Uh, Did you put this in, Chris? That the biggest race of the year
4: was Silverstone. Yeah, the most attended one. Yeah, with uh, 140,500 on race day, uh, which is nearly 8% up uh, on what happened last year overall across the season. I, ju- I just wanted to bring this up because Silverstone is the one that might have its last race uh, next year, and it's actually the most popular venue. I just wanted to kind of stick a little bit. I, I uh, think it's so popular.
2: That we could we could run that Grand Prix three times a year and it would be filled up every year. You might have to reduce the prices a little bit, but the willing is there. This is such a huge fan base for motorsport in this country, and and we only have our one Grand Prix, and we we sure as heck pile into that venue. It is shuffle room only around Silverstone.
4: Definitely, it's it's very crowded out there. I mean, it, it it's such a, a shame it's in the position that it's in, and Sadiq Khan has said that a London race could happen. I don't want it to. I just think it's such a bad idea because they're even scouting out uh, locations in in Greater London at the moment.
2: It's a shame as well because Silverstone yeah, history, blah, 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 traditions. I don't really care about that. Monaco's got traditions. I'd lose that in a heartbeat tomorrow. But it's a good racing circuit. It's on a nice flat bit of land, which isn't showing off with any undulation like Spa and Nürburgring, which no one likes going up and down. It's not a roller coaster ride. It's a racetrack. <laughs> however, the thought that we could lose Silverstone and it be replaced by yet another presumably terrible street circuit is heartbreaking, Chris.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And uh, actually, Othniel in the chat room says Silverstone or nowhere, which is unfortunately the position that we kind of have to to look at. Because for me, it can only be at Silverstone. I mean, even when they were on about moving it to Donington a few years ago, I thought that was an awful idea. Now,
2: that's not the first time that Donington has tried to be the British Grand Prix. There was a disastrous... Attempt several several years ago to make it a formula one track and they ended up bankrupting themselves and nearly stopped racing there altogether. and in fact during the off season we're going to be speaking to lee coons who ran the campaign of lotus enthusiasts to 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 get a big mob of people to march down and persuade donington to keep racing It's, it's quite a nice story actually so we're going to speak to lee later on in the off season what are the chances of all this because i actually thought that this year was going to be the last silverstone we're being told that next year is potentially the last year what's their relationship with like with liberty are we actually going to lose the british grand prix because i know that when we when we lost the the british e-prix i just felt like that had been ripped away from me and if we lose the british grand prix as well for f1 I, it's just going to
4: hurt uh, yeah it will be a massive sting And it's a very real probability, unfortunately. You know, Silverstone, uh, uh, the BRDC, the owners of Silverstone, the British Racing Drivers Club, rightly so, is unhappy with the outrageous fees that uh, it's been uh, paying, and that amount increasing year on year on year. Um, And it can't get if it rises, you know, five percent every year. They can't get five percent more people through the door. They can't just up the ticket prices by five percent every year. And so they're just making a loss every single time that they host the grand prix so rightly so they've tried to to make a say, statement and say look we're gonna use the the break clause so 2019 we need to make a new agreement and and so far all all that's been done is to to look for other locations there doesn't seem to be a lot of talk about actually settling yeah. things with silverstone only to to find somewhere else to host it which is worrying really worrying
3: right so first of all i feel compelled to point out that they signed that contract knowing full well those risers were in there if they had a problem with it they should have negotiated that at the start of the contract and as far as the as far as all of the stories about other locations Well, I don't know. If you were Liberty and you were on the other side of that negotiation, what would you want in the news right now? Oh, yeah, exactly that. Other locations. This is just part of the negotiating process between the two entities. Liberty, this will be their first major issue they deal with. The last thing they want to do is cut Silverstone, a sweetheart deal, because then every other operator will be after them. And let's remember, they're investing a fair amount of money into the sport right now. And they're not really going to be at a place where they can afford to cut lots of tracks, lots of deals.
2: Oh, listen to this American. Genesie, you tell him, Britain can tell other countries what we want and what we demand. And we can have our cake and eat it, apparently, hopefully. We've got two months to find out.
5: Liberty should buy Rockingham. Rockingham's now gone under. Um, It's going to be turned into a car auction site. Liberty should buy Rockingham and do whatever they want with Rockingham. They've got a great place there for building a race circuit. And if they can't have it, uh, they can't have it. So Silverstone is one of the best circuits in the world. You can pick that piece of tarmac up and plonk it anywhere and it will generate you amazing racing. Whether as good fans will come. I don't know. I still very much believe the British fans are the best biased
2: i may be but whatever um all british no, fans they, Junzi, they, they, what about what about the scottish fans because if we go to rockingham it's very near to corby and if you ever drive into corby the first thing you'll notice is that rather jarringly everyone has a scottish accent so that's what we're going to have we're going to have haggis stands uh where they they kill the haggis live it's very easy to kill a haggis because two legs are shorter than than the others on on one side than they are on the other so
5: well, the funniest thing about you say about that is the
2: only time I've been to Rockingham was to watch my mate Michael Weddle race in the Scottish Mini League. So that's the only um, correlation yeah, I ever go. had with Rockingham. <laughs> okay, but uh, we're not allowed to talk about Weddle here because he wiped me out in the Missed Apex
4: iRacing event. Stevens. The only issue with Rockingham is that it kind of it, it looks like Temple Off Airport in that it just looks like a, a giant fascist architecture because it's so gray and slumly and it's oh really, you can't say
2: slum uh, you cannot say slum didn't you watch sports personality of the year you will be hounded in the press for weeks now how dare you just, call a, a quite bad place a slum
3: it's just a really ugly place to be technically that style of architecture is called brutalist if what you're describing is an accurate rendition of what the track looks like just to help you out a little bit there
2: Wow, that last segment wasn't very good. Let's hope this is slightly better. Oh, no, my hopes are immediately dashed because Matt Trumpets was allowed to name the segment. And after the magnificent board of awesomeness, where we broke down the team performances, we now apparently, for the drivers, have the colossally magnificent argumentation section podium. Uh, what? Matt, you've ruined it again.
3: Well, that wasn't actually the title. I was just going to call it the driver awards but. Okay, I like yours better.
2: Okay, let's do that. All right, I do. I just read the notes. You know I've got like a Ron Burgundy thing going on. I will just read whatever is in the show notes. But basically, we're going to go and pick a driver to talk about. And we're going to uh, nominate a number of awards that we might wish to give him and decide which one is most apt.
3: Yeah, basically, because we don't believe in participation awards here at Mist Apex, but we do have a number of potential awards each driver is eligible for. So. I thought it would be fun for us to nominate a couple of awards we thought each driver deserved, argue about which one was the best award to give the driver, and then give you free choice to pick any of the ones you heard or make up your own and substitute it if you like that better. And yeah, it's entirely possible. I've noticed that letting you do that sort of thing means my content gets on the show.
2: Fine. Although this is definitely the wrong way around. Normally you would have a number of people up for a a certain award, not a person being up for a a, a number of awards.
3: Well, since when have we ever done anything like anybody else?
2: It's true. Check out some other... I was going to name a load of terrible F1 podcasts, but you know who they are. Who are we going to start with? Should we start with Sergey Sorokin? Uh, Do you want to start with a potential award for Sergey?
3: I do. I figured we'd do them in reverse championship order to make it. And Suratkin was at the bottom of the table, so he is therefore immediately eligible for the What's the Point award, as he scored exactly one single solitary point all year long. Uh, tenth in Monza, a race that featured three retirements and a disqualification, along with a notable lack of turns for his Williams. By way of comparison, our next person up for awards, Brendan Hartley, scored four times as many points. Wow,
2: so every team... Sorry, every driver scored a point this season. I didn't realize yeah. Sirotkin was actually last. So we're giving Stroll. What was there any kind of overriding reason for why he couldn't defeat the mighty Lance Stroll?
3: M O N E Y.
2: Oh right, okay, money. That spells money for those hard of spelling. Could it be? Could it be, Chris Stevens, that the the, the Stroll family has done what they have been reported to do in all Lance's driving, which is favour you know, Lance Stroll, they've used their influence to make sure that Stroll gets a bit of a leg up.
4: Uh, I mean, potentially, I, th- I think the team's focus is going to be more on fixing the absolute dog of a of a car. And I, don't,
2: I don't think the car's bad. I don't I, think the car's that bad.
4: Uh, okay, fine. We'll find out next year. But Okay, uh, hang on. The, All right, let's set some parameters. All right, because the car was
2: fine with Bottas um, and Maldonado. It was okay. It was doing things, wasn't it? Bottas got some results. And then with Stroll and a driver not as good as Bottas, the team suddenly has no points as well. If George Russell goes in there and starts bagging top sixes, is it? are we finally going to admit that really the car wasn't the major problem? The major problem was having two pay drivers.
4: What you're missing out there is the fact that between Bottas coming and going was the massive regulation changes that happened that Williams absolutely flopped on uh, and couldn't get with it at, at all. I mean, yeah, Felipe Massa struggled to get some good results in 2017 uh, with that car. Oh, hang and on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Place.
2: Felipe Massa didn't win the world championship in the best car in living history, the 2008 Ferrari. And it, it, you, Gene, you agree with me? That has to be the best car ever to get Massa to second place in a championship.
5: Yes, I agree, Spanners.
2: There we go. So, so look, we're not using Massa as any kind of uh, thing. I mean, where did he finish in the first Formula E race? 27th? Yeah, that wasn't
4: his fault. Go and listen to <laughs> E-Radio, by the way, to find out why that
2: happened. I was on that, despite <laughs> knowing nothing about the race or recognising any of the cars. Genezy. Um As far
5: as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I can't say much about, about Sergey. Bless him. Hardly, saw him. hardly saw him all season. He got beaten by Stroll. Doesn't say much. But next year... Is Williams's massive litmus test. They have two quality known quality drivers. If that car can produce good results next year, it shows, as Spanner said, it does show that car was capable and they picked money over class.
2: Do you Chris, do you agree? with those parameters, if they suddenly get an uptick next season, are you going to accept we've not had a point or are you going to have to invent? Oh no, that's because they changed the front jackman, which
4: gave them vital seconds. I'm not disagreeing with you about the fact that Stroll and Sorokin is in no way an ideal pairing for them. They're, They're not getting the most out of the car and they're not developing the car properly. But I'm also saying the car is woeful as well. And there's, there seems to be some sort of lingering theory here that actually it's capable of finishing P5 in the championship, which it just simply will not be. They'll have learned from the the mistakes that they made with this year's uh, car, hopefully have a better start to next year with two drivers that are properly able to to get the get the most and extract the most out of it, especially seeing as they've had Kubica on the development for quite a while on it now. Trumpets.
3: Yeah, well... <clears throat> The reason we can't compare next year's car is because the regulations are changing yet again to simplify the front wing to lower the rear wing. So we're not going to have an essential evolution of this year's car to use as any sort of point of comparison. So I think it will be a test of the Williams overall engineering team. Like, can they figure out what went wrong and can they sort it out for next year? But I don't think it will give us the kind of comparison that you would really like in terms of a more apples to apples comparison.
2: I'm just going to go for the Occam's Razor simplest solution. If Williams miraculously improve next year, Gene Z, I'm just going to say that I was right all along and frustrate everyone. Ray Thompson makes a really good point. They have a Mercedes engine
5: yes. in that car. They have a working relationship with Mercedes. They can't be at the back of the grid. They can't complain about the car, really. Okay, they might have got the error concept a bit wrong, but that's all fixable within the course of the season, especially with the amount of money that they had. Um, yeah,
2: it's 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 a travesty and the drivers will change it. Yeah, but Matt, yeah, Mercedes engine. And as Bradley Philpott pointed out last week, I think the fact that Stroll is able to make up so many positions at the start of the race just shows you he's under qualifying it. And then in the race, the car settles into a more natural position.
3: Yeah, I think that's true. I think Des also makes the very excellent logical point that if we're going to go with that reasoning that if McLaren get better, then, then Alonso would have been terrible by comparison.
4: I like that theory, Matt. But I mean, Jeansy, I don't understand how you can just use the Mercedes engine as an excuse because it just isn't. I mean, if anything, that highlights how rubbish the car is and you can- I mean, if you're going to say that because they had a Mercedes engine, they must be at the front and they have a load of money and the aero concept is a bit wrong, which is the understatement of the year. One word for you. McLaren.
5: Yeah. But they shouldn't be behind McLaren. They shouldn't be behind because McLaren, you know, McLaren, all sorts of different disarray at the moment. That's the thing. McLaren. So is
3: Williams.
5: Has, McLaren Constantly change their concept, that's McLaren's biggest problem. They've gone through a massive management change. Um, I don't think I'm not quite certain Zach Brown knows what he's doing, um, and the team hasn't seen doesn't seem to have any direction at the moment. They've, all they've been obsessed with McLaren the last three years is appeasing Fernando Alonso, and I think they've lost sight of what they want to achieve because they are just trying to make Fernando happy, which is the wrong thing to do because, oh yeah, look, he's gone now bye Fernando and McLaren are still in the proverbial bottom end right. but Williams have got a lot of support Williams should be higher and I think the thing that has been holding them back is their drivers the car's probably not fantastic but you need decent drivers to help elevate that car to help develop the car and bring it forward and get the setup right forget aero forget anything they've got to change on the car just getting the setup right there are seconds to be found in a setup just if someone knows what they're doing but if you've got two um, drivers that have paid to be there, like Sorokin, like Stroll, who just had everything done for them as the past in the past, it's not going to
2: work. I the feel, uh, I feel hearing... a bet coming on, Chris. I feel a bet I coming don't... on. Go on, you make your point and then we'll make a we'll make a little bet.
4: I, the reason we've been hearing in so much detail about McLaren's roads is because Fernando Alonso is racing for them. No one cares about whether you know why Stroll and Sorokin are at the back. People care why Fernando Alonso isn't winning world championships anymore. But it's just as much a, a a disarray, as you said, going on at Williams. In McLaren's history, the worst thing to ever happen to
5: to McLaren is Fernando Alonso. The first time he was there and the second time was there, he
2: takes their eye off the ball because he's a crybaby
5: who wants all the
2: attention. Get off the fence, Van Gene. Good job, we're getting to Alonso in a little while. Uh, I think we're going to have to move on, but not before we say to Chris. Chris, I think that Williams are going to jump to sixth in the constructors' championship by mid-season, and that George Russell will be leading the way, absolutely smashing it with Robert Kubica doing an adequate and brave job uh, behind
4: George. They they may well do, but it's going to have nothing to do with. What's it's going to be a massive before.
2: coincidence, and that. All those things are going to just, like, th- th- you're going to have a graph with no stroll, stroll, uh, no stroll again, right? And then you're going to have high performance, really rubbish performance, high performance again. They're going to exactly match those two graphs, and you're going to come up with a bunch of reasoning around it.
4: Right, but that is like being, that's like a detective coming into the room and seeing somebody who who discovered the body and just blaming the guy who found the body. Because... There are so many other changes happening between now and when we start racing again that are going to affect everything. Not just Williams, but the rest of the grid. Okay, is going put it this way then. The are, would
2: Williams be improving for next season if Sorokin and Stroll remained? You would. They predi- could
4: do. They could do. <sighs> the opportunity is there for them.
2: <laughs> All right, let's move on, drivers. Uh, Lance Stroll trumpets. What awards is he up for?
3: I'm happy to move on, drivers. You realise... We only got to one for Sorotkin, so we'll give him that one. Um,
2: Was all that that just for one? Sorry, right. So Sorotkin wins the What's the Point Award. Do you want to quickly go through the other three, just so that we don't waste those magnificent points you made?
3: Uh, The Ominous Foreshadowing Award for being forced to retire in Australia for his sandwich bag being sucked into his brake duct. Oh, yeah. Which turned out, uh, you can't fire me because I quit award because after they announced Kubica, Uh, His sponsor said, well, we were going to quit Williams anyway because they're terrible and they would be an awful investment for next year. And my personal favorite, the Mr. Cellophane Award. This right. The song from Chicago whose lyrics start because you can look right through me, walk right by me and never know I'm there. And let's face it, given the fact that news stories from the beginning of the season were up on his page when I looked at it, doing research that's pretty much what happened.
2: Yeah, very much the point that Gene Z echoed there that uh, that he has been somewhat anonymous this season. I still think we should give him the what's the point award because one point very very bottom of the F1 grid. Let's move over to Lance Stroll. So we give Lance Stroll a lot of grief. However, uh, I said when it was apparent that he was going over to what was Force India that it is a great family achievement for them. And as a family They've earned what they're doing. They've put themselves in that position. Stroll, Papa Stroll, is a self-made man. And if I was in his position, my son would 100% be a Formula One driver. And if I could, I would buy him his own team and championships and all the rest of it. And enjoy the spoils of war, as it were. So I'm going to nominate him for the Family Award for a great family achievement. Presumably, we're now just going to slate him for another five minutes.
3: Yes, and Good. I don't, I believe Hartley actually should have been next if we were going in strict championship order. But since the rules are variable, we'll just go with Stroll yeah, since I, a Williams.
2: Yeah, I cut and pasted it because we were talking about Stroll.
3: Yeah, that works for me. So his first award kind of goes along with the family award, which is the you got me a what for my birthday award. And yeah, that's right. His dad bought him an entire Formula One team for his birthday. What did you get me?
2: Z. no, you're not a massive fan of Stroll. But given they are in that position and that they have bought him uh, an F one team, you know, I think this it's appropriate at this point that we play this. F one team. And
3: I want it
2: now. That nearly worked. That's exactly what I was going to say, which is
5: that's what this award should be called, which is it should be the pony award. So because it is. It's
2: I want a pony. That's what it should be. Cause he got his pony. Um Oh, God, do I have to talk about Stroll again? The thing is, I'm just wondering whether it is Lance that's pushing this, because he seemed, uh, partway through the season, like he wasn't interested at all. Like, if you saw his body language in the middle of the season, in the paddock, in the interviews, you wondered whether he wasn't just being dragged along by Papa Stroll. It shows how powerful nepotism is, because Papa Stroll is a very,
5: very, very intelligent man who's made billions and billions of dollars Can't incredibly incredibly um, astute business deals. And then he puts his son, who is incredibly below par, in his own F1 team. Seriously, Lawrence, think about your actions, man, and stick a decent driver in there
2: because you can afford a decent driver now. Um, he's, he's up against- whatever bad award you want to give to, to Stroll, I'm happy with. Well, he's up against Perez next season. We know about Perez. We know who he is, what he can do. What is the minimum you would expect from him? In fact, let's put it this way. What result could he get against Perez in the championship next season that would make Alex Jeansy Van Jeans go, go, do you know what? Yeah, he's come good. If he can
5: out-qualify Perez at least five times and get close to him in the points, it's so hard to say be within this many points of him because we don't know how good racing point are going to be next year racing point could be right on the back of red bull for all we know next year so i don't know i don't doubt um it. i would but, not
2: be surprised actually trumpets so they've let's got the
5: throw at it they, they are the most efficient team on the grid with the small amount of funds that they've got they produce a fantastic racing car they had no money and the car plateaued and then all of a sudden the stroll consortium came in and boom They had a good, they had good results. That's what it's all there for. Um, So, um, yeah.
4: See, them going to uh, administration this year, meant they missed out on two pretty major upgrades for this season. So throw that onto the 2019 car already. But I don't think you're going to see the effect of Stroll's money until late 2019, early 2020, because obviously all the the work for 2019 has already happened uh, and was going on before Stroll came in. So that's already been sort of done and settled. So the effect will be in sort of this time next year. No, I don't agree with that. I bet you that the extra money
2: and resources that they have now and Otto Otmeier Schaffnauer, help me, help me, someone help. Otmar Schaffnauer. No, that doesn't sound right. But anyway. That's exactly how he said it on the
5: (laughs) one of the podcasts I was just thinking
2: that guy, who's in charge of Force uh, race, force Racing Stroll now, uh, he said, you know, we have to think carefully about how we're going to spend this extra money and they don't want to kind of get spoiled and get out of their ethos. That means more money is available now. That means more people. That means more resources. That means moving towards more of a Mercedes thing where you can go down the wrong paths and throw money money at it. Big upgrades come in Barcelona. I think after Barcelona, you're going to see a big effect. Trumpet's... You know, what do you reckon? I think Stroll is a big winner out of this season because he's done enough to prove to his dad that he can stay in F1. And that's all he needed to do. He's upgraded to a better team. They seem determined to throw funds at it. I think Racing Point Stroll, after Barcelona, towards the midseason, is, as Jamesy said, they could be sniffing around the back of, if not Red Bull, Haas, Renault.
3: Yeah, well, Renault would be their immediate and obvious comparison point because Renault too is spending more money. They picked up a really first-rate driver, and Ricciardo. Not that Signs was bad by any comparison, but I, I think we could agree that Ricciardo was on a slightly different level. And Haas Haas doesn't have the money, although they've got a new sponsor. I don't know exactly how much money is going to be committed. But if you look at who had the fastest car this year, it was definitely of the midfield. Haas had the fastest car, even if they didn't get the best results, because I think organizationally Force India uh, were superior to them. So they made fewer operating errors, which cost them fewer points. So it's really going to be fascinating. But I'm glad you brought this up because this brings us to the second award that Stroll is eligible for. And that's the Gamer of the Year Award. And our man, Atna. Atmar said in, in in an interview that he was ah, super happy to have Stroll on board because Stroll is every bit as fast in the simulator as Ocon.
2: Has anyone seen the episode of Futurama with the brain slugs that stick to the side of everybody's head and control what they say? Like it's just, you know, Claire Williams there. Stroll is genuinely here on pace. We're very excited to see what Lance can do. And then it's fallen off. And they brought it with them across to the Force India factory. And there they're going, oh, no, Stroll is as fast as Ocon in the simulator. It's like somebody ripped that brain slug off him.
5: What you got to remember with regards to sims is the likes of Stroll, the likes of Ocon, the likes of Max, the likes of um, any of the new guys coming in now. They come from the simulation generation. They're all going to be very, very good on a sim. But when you get into a real world and you have G-forces and you have things to think about during a race and you have to press different buttons on your steering wheel, it makes a massive difference. So I'm not surprised if he is quick on the sim. I bet he is. But... um. Whether that translates to the track, I don't
4: know. Do you want the best example of that is me in Spanish? Because <laughs> I was so much quicker than you in the sim, and I can't do it in a go-kart.
2: And that's why you're too scared to race in the map iRacing, and you just do the commentary.
4: Uh, oh, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the fact that I am in a hovel right now. So basically, Chris Stevens is stroll. Please don't. That will suggest that I have money, and I really <laughs> don't. I have nothing. Trumpets, that's so so what- it will suggest you're a poor... Driver, that's what
2: it suggests. Trumpets, that's two awards down. You got me what for my birthday award and Gamer of the Year award. Uh, we also have the Family Award. Any others?
4: Um, someone has
3: happily chucked it in. Would you like to take it? Steven's?
4: Yes, I, I would like to nominate him for the Admission Award, uh, which is Paddy Lowe finally admitting that Lance Stroll came into F1 too early.
2: As in ever. I want to reiterate that I, I would definitely beat Lance Stroll in a go-kart. So, and I'm not very, even good. I'm not even good. Very, I just... Fight me. I I think I would. I think I would definitely beat Lance Stroll uh, at Daytona Milton Kings.
5: No, because Daddy would pay for him to have a better (laughs) cart than you.
2: Would he pay for (laughs) someone to block me uh, into the the famous Turn 10 hairpin? All right. Which award do you want to give it, Matt?
3: Uh, This is your choice.
2: Oh, really? I'm in charge again. And how did that work out on the Magnificent Board of Awesomeness?
3: Uh, I think it worked out pretty well. I'm yeah, going to give him
2: the Gamer of the Year award for being so good at a computer game that the team principal came out on telly and decided to tell everybody about it. That's how desperate they are to push Lance Stroll as being actually good and not just a money nepotism choice, which he definitely is. So that's the one, Gamer of the Year award. Uh We've got time for one more, I think. Shall we go to Brendan Hartley, Matt?
3: Indeed. And we're going to start him out with one of my favorite awards the golden years award because he had seven count them seven retirements in 21 races
2: wow seven retirements how many of those were his fault and how many were just dumb luck
3: oh i don't know i'd probably go with about the 30 70 ratio he had if you google his name um which actually brings us handily to the next award the guinea pig award if you Google his name, you pretty much see his name plus penalty and or starting at the back of the grid. So I'm going to go with a large portion of those. We're probably down to Honda's experiments. See,
2: Trump, uh, I'm going to go to Jeansy because I think, Z have you not shared a track with Hartley in a karting championship? Uh, he came to BRKC in Cambridgeshire um,
5: and uh, yeah, he didn't do what I, I don't he was like sixth or seventh that day all right but but, but, yeah, what... but again you can't you can't I, it, it doesn't it does him a disservice talking about his day on on that particular well, I, all i meant um, is that you've seen him before he's that was it he's a perfectly well-rounded driver i think he's too old to all of a sudden gone from doing what he's been doing to jump into an f1 car i i think he's a he's a good enough driver he's fine he's nothing special um you know and most of the time he got either punted off by his teammate, um, or punted into a wall by a Canadian at the Canadian Grand Prix, or the Honda died. And he's just been mega unlucky. He did really well to talk himself into the drive in the first
3: place. Right. So we've had a nomination from the floor, as it were. The chat room would like to nominate him for the Karun Chandak Award for being really likable, but a bit rubbish.
2: No, right. Hang on. No, wait. I'm going to fight Brendan's corner here. Not Karun, so I I can't remember that far Um, uh, by the way, (laughs) Karun Chanduk is moving to Sky as well, which I think is good news because we'll we'll see him for some live races and stuff. I like Karun, but anyway, uh, I was going to give Brendan Hartley the Cool Runnings Awards because, as Matt pointed out, he's changed disciplines and he's changed disciplines late, but he still used his core skills. So he's come from a completely different kind of racing to compete at what is considered by many to be the pinnacle of motorsport, and he's gone, you know, from. LMP1, was he in LMP1 before? And then into uh, into open wheel racing at its very fastest and hardest. And he didn't win. He didn't win out, but he earned our respect, I think. And hopefully, just like in Cool Runnings, he also learned that friendship and teamwork was the real prize all along, Chris.
4: Uh, This is why I I nominated him for the Hard Done By Award, because it wasn't a Brad year for him, as we proved in our first season review episode. Uh, and but despite that, he had about 10 to 15 drivers linked to his seat for most of the season, which that yeah, can't that, help. Just... That
2: can't help, can it? That can't be good for morale. Uh I think I think from coming from a completely different discipline into F1 and he hasn't looked out of place. Would you agree with that, Z? He hasn't looked like not an F1 driver. He just hasn't you know, smashed Gasly, who is fancied for the Red Bull seat and who a lot of people are looking forward to seeing up against Max Verstappen. Brendan Hartley can walk out of this sport with his head held absolutely high. He's been very close to Gasly. I think he's done well against a
5: very highly rated new coming driver. But um, everything that you just said with regards to where he's come from, and I think the hard done by award is the perfect award to give him. Um yeah, I, I, I feel bad for Brendan because he's a nice lad. As you say, likable bloke. A little bit of an anecdote about Karun Chandok to give you an idea about Corinne. Um I raced with him at a race at Daytona Milton Keynes. We're on the start line waiting to get going. We stood there and I'm having a chat with him. And he asked me for ways around the circuit. Says a lot about Karun Chandhok. <laughs> he he how, how obviously he, is. <laughs>
2: he obviously didn't know you. Were you just a random bystander? I started, I started ahead, but I never saw him again. So, are you sure that you weren't just staring at him, going, "Blimey, it's that Karun What's it off of the telly"? Uh,
5: until I met Daniel Ricciardo, he is the nicest. He was the
2: nicest man in Formula One. It's all it's all an act, Daniel Ricciardo, Chris. He comes across all nice under the surface. Daniel Ricciardo is definitely evil, and if he gets the funds will become a super evil genius in a volcano. I've called it first. Remember where you heard it when the lava starts flowing, Chris?
4: Well, it was perfectly fine when I spoke to him.
2: Well, that's how he wants to come across. But wait till you're strapped to a table with a laser going from your feet all the way up to your crotch. Then then you'll be saying, why didn't I listen to Spanners? Where can people find you on social media, Chris Stevens, and find your work and stuff?
4: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cstevens underscore journo and all of my my written work, my podcast appearances, my radio appearances, everything that has my name on it can be found at my own website, com. And which
2: award do you want to give to Hartley? The Golden Years for the Retirement, Guinea Pig, Hard Done By or Cool Runnings? I want, I want to give him my one, the Hard Done By one. Boo. Trumpets. Where can people catch up with you online? You're normally selling some shifty, borderline immoral goods.
3: Yes, I try to shift as many of my wife's novels as I possibly can. And it's a good time since they're available as ebooks. Everybody, not too late to get that last thing for the other person in your life or people. I don't know. I make no judgments about that. Um, she's at a weaver rights amanda weaver look for her in amazon and as for me i'm at matt pt 55 on the twitters come say hi and tell me i'm wrong about all the things just like spanners
2: you'll give hartley my cool runnings award won't you that's the coolest one
3: no of course not i'm going to give him the guinea pig award because he deserves it i mean i you talk about somebody who was just literally used up and chucked out by a team for experiments and i think that's pretty much I think it's along the same lines as your cool running. No, it's not. It's different, but it's more along the lines of Stephen's Hard Done By now that I think about it.
2: Ooh, interesting. Jeansy. does your wife do anything more than make you homemade Baileys? Is she also secretly an author of Smut?
5: No, she works in a children's school.
2: That's nearly the opposite of what
3: Matt's wife
2: does. <laughs> um, by the way, it means I get the deciding vote. If
5: you've all died, decided on three different awards, yeah, it we means have, I get yeah. the deciding vote, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
5: I, I give it Chris's award, the um, hard done by award. Definitely. Don't side definitely, with definitely. Stevens.
2: Racer to the Racer is a hard, hard done by award. And where can people um, follow you online? Because I know that next season you are pushing a competitor series to what we're trying to put together on the missed apex calendar. Actually, I should talk about that as well. Uh, but you have been involved with covcart
5: Yeah. So you can find me at Alex Mangin on pretty much everything. And yes, covcart starts at Daytona in Tamworth on the 12th of January. Um, it's an afternoon race actually on the Saturday funnily enough um we normally do our races on a sunday but we're mixing things up a little bit this year it's a rental car championship you turn up and you drive each round is between 55 and 70 quid um you get three races every single race adds up to your total for the, for the end of the season so it's the best of 30 races over the season you get to drop six rounds really nice competitive series with levels all the way up and down
2: the with decent levels all the way up and down the grid um really really good value for money really good friendly environment if you want to follow me, you can follow me at SpannersReady and the show at f one on Twitter. You can DM me on Twitter on both those accounts, uh, although you might get one of the randoms like uh, Nick or Alex or Matt if you do the Missed Apex account. So best just uh, DM the Spanners one. You can also friend me on Facebook, SpannersReady on there as well. I will tease the events we have coming up in the new year because I have some details now. We are looking at a, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Actually, I'll wait till we get it booked because there's some history of other organizations trying to gazump us. Look for a Q2, a quarter two karting event for Missed Apex. That will be our banner spring event. We are also going to look to do something in late February that you should be able to get involved in as well. But it won't be a karting event, but we should be recording something. Um, Trumpets, there's time for one final award. Are you aware of what that award is? yes why don't you sing it and then we'll see if you can sing it better than my wife I can't give it a go though go on
3: Coming of the week yeah comment of the
2: week it was a fair effort we should hook up a duo version of trumpets and Mrs. Spanner's doing that but thank you very much to the chat room it's been a really busy chat room considering that the season has been over for about seven years now and they're still here hanging out with us We'll be with you all throughout the off-season. Matt, which one of these fine comments is worthy of comment of the week? Do you mind if I restrict you to three nominations? You genuinely read out 17 last week. Um, Are you not prepared? Uh, You're not prepared, are you?
3: Now, I was prepared to do it my way. You have changed the rules, so now I have to think just, for a just second. Just do
2: slightly less than normal.
3: No, you asked for three, and I have more than three, so I have to narrow them down.
2: Oh, my God. In the time this took, you could have read 17.
3: Which I was my original plan, but you decided that was not acceptable.
2: I prefer when he talks about tires. God, no. <laughs> I gave him <laughs> 20 minutes. That is it for the rest of the season.
3: All right, so here we go. I will go with Paul Wright. F1 teams should do diffusers regarding your pre-show disaster.
2: (laughs) Right, okay. So I guess for the people who don't tune in to the beginning of the live show, how dare you? Yeah, there was a disaster. My son knocked over one of these oil fragrance things. You know, the things that you put the little sticks in to make your room smell good? Well, he knocked over a whole bottle of that. And that has absorbed into the wood flooring in the living room. So the wood flooring is essentially now the wick for Christmassy orange oil. And that is what the house is going to smell of until 2019.
3: I'm going to go with Usman Salim, which you read on air. Didn't Ferrari share data to McLaren back in 2007?
2: Allegedly, I think we still have to say or something. I can hear the sound of shredders and fax machines going off in the back
3: of the shed. And at the risk of having the entire thing bleeped and having to pick a different one, I'm going to go with Ray Thompson's nickname for Lance Stroll. And that would be Lance, Lucky Club, Stroll.
2: Yep. You're going to have to use your imagination through that beep, that very long <laughs> beep. Let's give it to the second one. Could you read Usman's again?
3: I can indeed read it. It's going to be, didn't Ferrari share data to McLaren back in 2007? Comment of the week.
2: Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll be with you all throughout the off-season. We're going to do regular shows on a Sunday. The Christmas period, the way it's worked out, we don't really have to skip a beat. Uh, Consider supporting us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. You will get advert free feeds. You will get the extra waffle content when we post it. And you'll get things like when... Our celebrity stars drop into the Slack group and hang out, which was loads and loads of fun. So thank you very much to my panelists, Matt Trumpets, Alex, Jeansy, Van Jean, and Autosports, Chris Stevens. Until next time, guys, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory last forever. This is Miss Apex.